Welcome to the Florida Specifier Podcast. We're thrilled you joined us here for our conversation today. I'm Brett Cyphers, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Matthews. If you like what you hear, and we sure hope you do, and want to support the show, please be sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Florida Specifier online at floridaspecifier.com. There's a lot more to come with the Specifier website, so go check it out and follow along with the future changes. The subscriptions and ratings truly make a difference, and we think you'll enjoy all the ways you can read, watch, listen, and learn from the Specifier right at your fingertips. We can't thank you enough for the support. Brett, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm very good, sir. You can see our view out the window here in the makeshift studios looking really nice out on the bay in Tampa. It's a good time. It is a very good time. Thrilled to be here, not to diss on Orlando, where the AIF Water Forum has been held for the last five or six years, but Tampa's a nice shakeup. Yeah, I'm from around here, and so I guess I'm a little bit biased, maybe a lot biased, but I, you know, I like it better over here. I can neither confirm nor deny. Fair enough. Um, I, I represent both the city of Orlando <laughs> and the city of Tampa. I love them both equally. They're both glorious. Yes, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure both of us are happy to hear from our guest today, Amy Tracy from Dewberry. She's a mutual friend of ours and is going to talk about an innovative approach to water resource restoration and protection called One Water. That moniker should sound familiar to our regular readers because Amy's colleague at Dewberry, Robert Beltran, addresses the concept in an article in our most recent edition of the paper. Yeah, given the demands on resources and impacts we're seeing, we have to get more clever as the years go on to cope with not just water quality and water quantity challenges individual items, but as a broader landscape of challenges that come with living in a fast-growing state like Florida. Definitely. If Florida is likely one of the top 13 economies in the world, when you're talking about the influx of businesses, of people, water quality, water quantity are obviously of utmost importance, as is transportation, building, planning, et cetera, land use. So Florida really is at the utmost of revolutionary change on all of those items. I have some local government clients that we work with, and I know that you have a, a whole bunch. A host of them. Right. That's the big challenge, right? It's like you're dealing with quantity issues, especially if you're in this part of the state where we're in today, and quality issues literally everywhere. All over the state, really. And, and you're right. I represent local governments that range from the size of a few thousand to Miami-Dade County. And really, they are all struggling with regulations across the board on environmental matters. And that is due to really the popularity of our state and the beauty of the natural resources therein. Yeah, a good problem to have, but a challenge nonetheless. Well, let's talk to our guest about this since she's an expert and certainly has been around the environmental community in the state of Florida. Amy, welcome to the Specifier podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Brett. So nice to be here. We're thrilled to have you. And before we get into it, let's let's tell the audience a little bit about yourself. I have had the pleasure of visiting almost all of the nooks and crannies of Florida throughout my 20-year Florida water resources career. I've been practicing only here in Florida, so I'm just starting to understand all of the individual dynamics. But through that, I've had the opportunity to serve at the Florida Department of Environmental Protection, in which I partnered with stakeholders, agencies, and all the Floridian peeps, non-Floridians too, who adopted us as part of the love, maybe on the military circuit, and how to make improvements to our watersheds for total maximum daily lives, basin management action plans, very much water quality driven. And so in the process of doing that, you know, the love for stormwater and Florida's environment are where my roots are. But as I got to work in this environment of, hey, we have to do something, 
I understood the regs that we were trying to meet. I understood the legislation and the intent of that. But what really became apparent to me was this discussion of unfunded mandate. Not having been on that side of the house, I don't know what it means. And so in talking to our communities, I began to be a little more sensitive to what it takes not only to plan the projects that they're responsible for doing in their local jurisdictional boundaries, but then there's the funding part of it. And then, of course, at some points, an engineer needs to engineer it and then it's got to be constructed to planned and then it should operate and so I wanted to understand what it took to be able to do that because on the regulatory side which I know you gentlemen are very well aware of is one place to be but the actual implementation of it at the community level so I had the opportunity to step over into the engineering world and work with communities to kind of bring that next full cycle so in that stormwater I want to do cool stormwater projects in the natural environment. And in May, I ran out of water. I want to get into some of the issues that you're working on, but just conceptually speaking, because you're talking about working with communities and you're in the engineering world now, what does a healthy community look like in your practice in terms of water resources? We just talked about the diversity across the state of Florida. East doesn't look like west. Central doesn't look like north. So each individual community, their water is their own, and it's a specific narrative to them. So when we talk about the generalities of a healthy community, we're talking about is there adequate clean water at a cost that's affordable to many of the families that live there? Is there enough water to be able to drive industries and commercial establishments so that the people that live there make a good living, right? Is there enough water? in that community for the natural environment to be healthy because we see oftentimes this day that dilution isn't the solution to pollution in part because we don't have the quantity of water that we used to have. And so I think all those elements are part of a healthy community both on the public side but there's the economic and environmental piece that has to be joined together for a really truly healthy community. Yeah, I mean is that your sense of where we went wrong as a state or as individual communities is not thinking about those connections? Absolutely. I mean, our history is ditch it and get it out. Right. And there were really good reasons for that. I mean, pest control, uh, the ability to be able to live someplace and not be flooded out. So our roots are get it out and not necessarily value it. And then our roots are also wastewater is dirty. Of course, it's supposed to be. But now we've grown a lot. And so the technology that's available to us is different. And that allows us to treat water to whomever and however it needs to be at the end. But it also has changed because we don't have the water in our communities that we used to. So now we see it differently because there's not as much of it. Or if it is, it's the wrong kind. In hindsight's 2020, but I would imagine that if we had a look back to plumbing Lake Okeechobee South, we probably would do that quite differently today than we did uh, 50 years ago. I think that kind of looks like the Kissimmee River restoration, doesn't it? A little bit. I agree. We're finally getting our, yeah. <laughs> our act together. But we're doing things differently with Lake Okeechobee, too. We are. Many, many moons ago, you may remember, I think you might have been there, we had a forum and somebody said, well, let's take this water and inject it. And, like, minds were blown. And what are we doing decades later? A lot of injection. Absolutely. But some of it is we have the technology to be able to do it now, so it makes a little more sense. That's right. That's right. Well, I want to talk about sustainable water. What is sustainable water? 
Sustainable water is the water that resides within a community, whether it be above or below the earth, and it is recycled and utilized that community to be able to serve all of the individual purposes. And we've covered that earlier, public health, the environment, and the actual living there and the economy of it. So one of the things that you have done over your 20-year career, Brett has done over his 20-plus year career, I have done over my career, is go out into public, whether it's speaking to legislators, John Doe in the community, et cetera, and say, you should care about water because. Generally, we turn on our faucets, water is there, everybody feels good. I am often of the mindset that Folks are, the general populace is not ready to react or really invest, engage on water quality and quantity unless there's a crisis. Why should we care? Why, why should the average Floridian care? I think it's a lot easier for Floridians to care about the quality of the natural environment because we can see that. And it makes sense to us. We put our hands in it and we fish it and we see algal bloom. And so it makes sense to us. But the rest of the water that we don't see is a mystery to us. It's infrastructure that we don't see. It is a lot of we'll call it luxuries of the American way. So we turn on the water in the tap, we have coffee, we take a shower, our kids are clean, we move on, we really don't think about it, right? If we're feeling ill, we flush the toilet, it goes away, and that's pretty much the end of it. We might see a pump station but not recognize what it is. So when you talk about water supply and sustainable water outside of the natural cycle. I think it becomes a much more difficult conversation to have with people because then you end up having the rate conversation instead of the resource conversation. I know we want to get into the subject of, and y'all use the moniker of One Water. I think it's really cool, but let's start with an example of what does an integrated water project look like under that concept? It's a good question. When you take a look at a problem in the natural world that includes infrastructure, when you are using a one water approach, whether it be to your point earlier, Ryan, transportation, whatever it is that you're touching, water interfaces with it at some point. So the trick is to take a look at all of that water and not see it for the label that you have provided to it, but instead the opportunity in which it presents. So that being said, what you end up with is the need to mix water. And so that's talking about a storm water and a wastewater and then maybe even a potable water. And so when we start talking about mixing the waters, our reg worlds collide, our policy worlds collide, and to a certain extent, our engineering worlds collide. But we've done a lot of the inexpensive projects. The lower hanging fruits are definitely picked up in most of our communities. And so what we're looking at are more complex issues. And when you look at the complex issues, it means what? Money. Always. All the time. So when you look at One Water, you're looking at opportunities to solve complex problems in a way, in a magnitude that has multiple benefits, both in the environment and for public health, and hopefully comes along with a cost benefit too, because you're ringing more than one bell. Give me an example of one of those places where that integration is taking place somewhere where somebody can say, oh gosh, I, I can go visit that thing and I can see that water goes in, they're doing some cool stuff with it. It makes a beneficial impact on a natural system and the public at large. You know, I'm not going to disappoint you on that today. Good. (laughs) (laughs) There's this place in Hillsborough County. It's called the City of Plant City. They've really taken this to heart. So they that and strawberries. Serious Delicious business. Delicious strawberries. They have a festival every year. Pretty sure that Willie Nelson was there last year. I mean, it's big time. Strawberries and Willie Nelson. That's a good combination. 
It's glorious. I grew up in Sefner, so it was smack dab between the Florida State Fair and the Strawberry Festival. And so, no wonder you're so cool. Exactly. Or something. Rooted in excellence. <laughs> Tell us about Plant City. I derailed us. Yes. The city of Plant City and their leadership and their community picked their head up one day and said, geez, we look around us and we see a lot of water problems. And so they decided that they were going to look at their water as theirs and their community a little bit differently. So they spend a lot of money every year well before this ever became really cool to do on treating their water to a high standard. So they had advanced treated water. And so they started looking at it and said, hey, we've got this really cool 363 acres Florida Communities Trust parcel that we've been investing in over the last like 20, 30 years. And we think we could do something really amazing here. Because one of the things that they were experiencing is a wetland dehydration hydration issue. So here they had tried to do a really good surface water quality improvement project to benefit the Hillsborough River, but the project in and of itself was having an extended hydro period of drought, which was damaging the wetland treatment. So we weren't getting the return on the investment. So they said, well, how can we solve this? And we said, well, we need a little more water. And the utility picked up their hand and said, no worries, we got you with some good water. That's when this train left the station and utilities and parks said, we think we can do something together. So they picked their heads up, took a look at what was this park really? What could it be? Let's go ahead and take what was, improve it, make 175 acres of wetlands and deliver some high quality reclaimed water to it to make sure that the hydro period is sustained while continuing to accept off-site stormwater, which is pretty yucky stuff, okay? I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this. And run that through the filtration system. So now you have a situation where you have two waters coming together into one place and leaving cleaner than it came in. But it's called integrated water, stormwater and reclaimed water. Same place. That cooperative effort, I mean, is vital. I I think most people would assume that either intergovernmental agencies externally, internally are talking with the ag community or talking with utilities consistently to know, I've got Project A here, I've got Project B here. Wouldn't it be nice if they had some sort of synergy amongst them? It netted an environmental or water quality benefit as well, but I think it's pretty safe to say that doesn't happen regularly, right? Unfortunately, you'd be correct. But we're trying to change that. And I think that we're headed in the right direction, not only at a local governmental level, but we're seeing a lot of wonderful changes amongst the agencies. I mean, y'all have seen that yourselves, both at your time and service there, but in the bleachers, Water Management District, DEP, we're all speaking more consistently to one another. So we're getting there from a regulatory perspective to a certain degree through rulemaking and, and otherwise, right? How about from a dollar's perspective? Because we all know these projects take, as you said, they take money. We've got a $114 billion budget last year for the state of Florida. We should be getting, you know, solid 20% of that pie, right? I, I'm only <laughs> going to stand up and say yay, okay? I've been around long enough to know that our funding didn't always look like this. And we did have some good funding at at one point and then of course we had the economic fallout and that drew up a little bit. As a matter of fact I remember one time being actually at summer school and we were just recovering from the economic fallout and the legislature was trying to do a better job about putting some funding forward and everybody was kind of patting themselves on the back because you know it was getting better and Frank Bernardino stood up and said I just need to set the record straight to everybody here. Yeah congratulations for doing better from nothing but we still have a long way to go to from where we were previously. And I'll say that was 
maybe about a decade ago or so. But when we look at what is being invested in Florida's environment over the last four years and the commitments that we continue to say, when we look at the price tag, it don't let up off the gas, but it's definitely a better day than it used to be. Agree 100%. And it is tough because, again, from the average point of view, looking around the state of Florida, you wouldn't think that there are widespread, large water quality or quantity problems, right? Again, part of this conversation, the everyday citizen, they flush their toilets, they turn on their tap. Most of our water bodies are very clean. We enjoy immense natural resources. So it is tough to say, boy, we just need $20 billion a year for water resources. I have opinions, but I want to hear hear what you're up to next. What's the next Plant City? Is Plant City done? Is that project in the ground? Not yet, but we are getting ready to start that piece of it, so we're pretty excited about it. 175 acres of wetland restoration, 2.5 MGD uh, beneficial reuse on an average day is making me a pretty happy water resources professional. Is there another place where you plant a flag already or you're eyeballing or is that a You know, secret? I'm always looking for cool people to roll with. So I go. did. I, I did. I found some really awesome folks and there's so many around the state, but I had an opportunity to partner with the city of Jacksonville Beach in Duval. So they are a mighty small city who have really visionary. They have just completed their sustainable water plan. And so it is another integrated water approach to taking a look at the resources they have in their community. Again, that sustainable water is that a community narrative they happen to have a golf course there and so that allows them to be able to utilize an existing resource invest in that resource because that golf course is not getting the reuse water now that it really needs so we'll be able to increase reuse water decrease more pumping from the aquifer and we're going to be able to utilize that to springboard to other projects in the next decade for them as they roll out a real beneficial reuse project and it starts with its roots in integrated water because they're going to need to be able to supplement that stormwater pond with additional reuse in order to expand the irrigation. If somebody who is I guess starting out cool but also wants to get involved wants to learn more about how you are helping to solve these problems, regardless of where they are, how do they get in touch with you? Well, you pretty much hit me up at any major conference. Yeah, exactly. We'll put your website, we'll put your personal phone number, but at least your email on our episode notes. That's awfully generous. Thank you so much, because really all I want to do is help. Awesome. Amy, we wish you the very best of luck to you and your entire team. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for a good time. Thanks for listening to the Florida Specifier Podcast. We appreciate your support. Production of this podcast is by Carl Sorn and David Barfield at Lonely Fox Studios. A special thank you goes out to Bagels and Biscuits, who are kind enough to let us use their music for the show. Check them out wherever you get your music. If you have an idea for an article for the specifier or topic for this podcast, please be sure to let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time as we continue to delve into the issues, policies, and people that environmental professionals and policymakers want to know about. And that's it. For Brett Cyphers, I'm Ryan Matthews. We'll see you next time. Thank you.